Good morning, church. So the Bible reading for today is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive... And give birth to his son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus woke up, sorry, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Gabe. When we stand up here, it's evident that we have certain routines that we go through and um, when that gets shuffled up a little bit, it's very hard to break those routines. I want to get up here and say, good morning, welcome online and everything like that, but I've just done that, hey. So um, I'll try and um, just get with the program and go from where we are. But it's great to be here. It's great to be hearing from God's word. And uh, as, as we looked at verses 1 to 17 last week. I'm not sure what Pastor Darrell spoke about. Uh, I was very blessed to be up at the Sunshine Coast um, with my daughter who was performing in the state gymnastics uh, competition. But um, Pastor Darrell was here and uh, he he spoke about verses 1 to 17. And Matthew had this desire to write his gospel about revealing Jesus Christ as a long-awaited Messiah. So as he gives the genealogy, uh, we, we have this habit of just pushing that aside because it's boring, it puts us to sleep. And in fact, in the evening message last week, uh, I said how all scripture is God-breathed and it's good for us. And so the genealogies are good if you can't sleep, just have a read of those and they'll put you to sleep straight away. But the reality is... There's a reason and a purpose for this scripture to actually be there. And so the genealogy provided the ancestry of Christ, which would be traced back to both Abraham and King David. And underlying this genealogy is the fact that Jesus was fully man and yet fully God. He was born of Mary, but he was begotten of Joseph. And that's clear in the genealogy. And we have this habit of saying Jesus' birth was miraculous. That's not true. His birth was quite normal. Nothing unusual about his birth at all. However, it was his conception which was a miracle. Born of the line of King David. Conceived in the womb of Mary by power of Holy Spirit. Jesus was born with a full inheritance of royal authority, but he was born in sinless purity. Only he could have been. Only a virgin birth could have made that possible. And only God would have came up with that solution. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Think about that. Jesus' birth truly makes him Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. 
Father, I want people to grow. I want people to know you. I want people to hear your voice. But I'm just a man. And I have my failings. So Lord, use this message, use this word to draw people to you, I pray. Let them hear the truth that is contained here. In Jesus' name, amen. I suppose it goes without saying, what we're looking at this morning is the birth of a very special child. It had to be said. But although this actual physical birth of Jesus was perhaps no different to any other, I want to emphasize again that he was conceived by Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. It meant that he would be born without inheriting the sin of man, as we all do. So he was born sinless. And he was to be called Emmanuel, God with us. But he's also God like us. Because he took on our nature. And he was fully man and fully God. And that is truly incredible. And it is a work of Holy Spirit. In Matthew's mind, as he wrote the verses 1 to 17, the genealogy of Jesus, he has established first and foremost that Jesus is qualified as Messiah through that genealogy. He, he made it so that people could actually go to the temple and check that line and ensure that it does trace back to King David and Abraham. Interesting that the temple was burnt down in AD 70 and no one can do that now, hey? So if Jesus wasn't Messiah, how are they going to check? But Jesus comes from a miraculous conception. And we read that in Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child through Holy Spirit. And when we approach this passage, we seem to focus on the virgin birth. We seem to focus on this virgin called Mary. And what we seem to overlook or not pay too much attention to is the work of Holy Spirit in the midst of this. And that's what I want to look at briefly in this first section. I want to look at what Holy Spirit did, the work that was done in this place. In this verse, we see that before Mary and Joseph came together, before they had had sex as husband and wife, Mary, am I allowed to say that? God created it. He created it good. If you're offended, read the word. It's there. In this verse, we see that before Mary and Joseph came together, before they had sex as husband and wife, Mary was found to be with child by Holy Spirit. And <clears throat> when the angel speaks to Joseph, this is again emphasised that the child which is conceived in Mary was from Holy Spirit. But we have to keep in mind that when this happened, those living in these times had not experienced Holy Spirit as we have. We know Holy Spirit as comforter. We know Holy Spirit as guide. We know Holy Spirit as someone who reveals God's very word to us and encourages and strengthens us in the faith. They had not experienced Holy Spirit like that. So... We have him poured out freely on all mankind, those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. So as Holy Spirit is being spoken about here, we need to consider what that means to a Jewish audience, what that meant to people at that time. 
And it's generally held amongst most scholars that Holy Spirit indwelt selected believers in Old Testament times. And this was often only temporary. The entwelling of all believers comes much later after the day of Pentecost. And Joseph's understanding of Holy Spirit was that Holy Spirit was part of creation. Holy Spirit was a person who revealed God's truth to men and women. And further, it was Holy Spirit who enabled men and women to understand that truth and to see that truth. And so it's this revelation of God's truth by Holy Spirit which taught the prophets what to say. It was Holy Spirit who taught the people of God what they should do, how they should obey God and how they should actually live. But when it came to knowledge of God, the general population had just vague general ideas of who God is and what he called them to do. But when Jesus came, he said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We can know God through the truth of him and Jesus being revealed to us by Holy Spirit. Jesus came to tell us the truth about God and the truth about who we are in relation to him. It is when Holy Spirit indwells us that we begin to see things as they truly are. It is through the work of Holy Spirit that Jews understood creation as we know it, the way that it happened. They also understood the Spirit has this ability to recreate. Think of the story of Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones. God's word says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, speaking to the dry bones. And from this, the rabbis formed their saying, God said to Israel, in this world, my spirit has put wisdom in you, but in the future, my spirit will make you alive again. This was understood by Jews. And so it was understood that when people were dead in sin and lethargic in their faith, the spirit of God would waken them and give them a new life. Matthew's telling us, That in the conception of Jesus, in the womb of Mary, Holy Spirit is operating in a way that he never has before. He's doing something new. And it's Holy Spirit who brings God's truth to men and women. It's the same Spirit which allows men and women to recognize that truth. And it's the Spirit which awakens those who were dead in sin, bringing them to new life. And he does the same work in conceiving Jesus. It is Jesus who enables us to see who God is and how we should relate to him. It is Jesus who opens our minds to the reality and truth of God. It is Jesus, the creator of all things, who comes among us in order that we may be recreated, a new creation which through him is released from the bondage of sin and death. That is the true miracle. But as wonderful as that is, Joseph still has a problem. Matthew skips a few details about Mary because he's more focused on declaring Jesus as the promised Messiah. But we know from Luke that uh, Mary hears that the angel is going to bring, or Holy Spirit is going to cause her to conceive a child. And she also hears that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant, so she races off to see Elizabeth. And we don't know how long she travelled for or anything like that. We don't know how long between the conception of Christ and her leaving. But we know that she stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. And then when she returned, she was found to be with child. I remember with our firstborn, 
Um, Helena's family was pretty adamant that we didn't tell too many people. And um, we went to China when Elena was three months pregnant and mum took one look at her and said, we better tell people. She was showing. It was obvious. And we had 16 friends and family with us uh, there in China and so it was pretty much announced straight away because it was obvious. And that's, that's what is occurring here. It, it's not as if Mary concealed the pregnancy. It's just she'd up and gone and there was no way of transmitting messages back to Joseph. There was no way of letting him know. And when she came back, she was obviously pregnant. I believe she would have told Joseph, but in actual fact, there was no real need for her to because it was obvious. And I can't imagine what it would have been like for Joseph. He is betrothed to Mary. She is pregnant. And he knows he had nothing to do with it. And when we think about betrothal, it's very, very different to how we do marriages in, in our day and age. So what happened with the betrothal, uh, it was actually more or less an arranged marriage most of the time. Sometimes the couple did get to speak into that. And so this was an arranged thing. There was an engagement. That period lasted for 10 to 12 months. That was the betrothal. And during that 10 to 12 months, the husband and wife, bride and groom, were not permitted to be alone together. But it was a very binding agreement and arrangement. And so the only way that they could be separated was actually by divorce. There was no other way to separate. And so this, this is a very serious agreement that, that is occurring at this time. And what would happen after that 10 to 12 months? There would be this marriage ceremony and the groom and all his mates and family would go in procession to the bride's house. And the bride would be there with all her bridesmaids. They'd be waiting for the groom. And he could arrive at any time that day, even at night, as we know by the story of the ten virgins. And then they would go in procession back to his house. And there'd be this formal ceremony. And then they would consummate the marriage there. And there's some details we won't go into about that. But it was quite obvious that that was consummated. And that was part of that ceremony. And so at this time, Mary is about four months pregnant. Matthew states that this child in Mary was conceived by Holy Spirit. But Joseph doesn't know that. He hasn't been told at this stage. And Joseph was a believing Jew. So he had this desire to keep God's law, to uphold that. And he wanted to honour God with every part of his life, including his marriage. And this compelled him to seek a certificate of divorce. And what we don't actually know, or what we don't realise most of us is... In many areas of Israel at this time, this was not a choice. If a woman was found to have committed adultery, you had to divorce her. It was not an option. That was their law in some parts of Israel. But because Joseph wanted to honour God with his marriage, he realised his wife has been unfaithful, and so he couldn't in good faith marry her. And so he decides that he should divorce but Joseph, in considering this right behaviour, is also concerned. He's also worried about what's going to happen to Mary. Because not only is Joseph righteous, he's also just. 
And so he could have rightfully demanded a public divorce and she would have been shamed. She, she may have even been stoned, although at this time in Scripture that wasn't happening a lot, but she could have been stoned for adultery. But her long-term reputation would have been destroyed. She would have suffered public disgrace. And the worst case, as I said, would be that she would be stoned. But having considered all these options, he takes the easiest path for Mary. And he decides he's going to divorce her quietly. And in divorcing Mary quietly, he only needs two or three witnesses to be present. And so he is going to save face for Mary. He's going to allow her to go through this with as little pain as possible. And he will be able to maintain his personal righteousness according to the law, but he'd also be able to show compassion to Mary and prevent her from having that public disgrace which she'd otherwise experience. But God had his hand on Joseph. He had him marked for a special role. And he wasn't going to leave Joseph wondering. All of this was part of God's plan. And all of it was so that prophecy would be fulfilled. And what we see in Joseph is his true character and compassion. Even in this incredibly difficult situation, we see Joseph's purpose is to live a life that honours God. He wants to maintain his personal righteousness, but he also believes he needs to show compassion to Mary, the woman that he is engaged to. And even though he considers her an adulteress, he wants to do that. And it's as he considers or believes, he's come to the only obvious choice that God moves. And this angel comes and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And God speaks to Joseph through this stunning appearance of this angel. I can't imagine what it would be like to have this angel just suddenly in front of you. I think it would have got Joseph's attention. I think it would have just drawn his eye straight away. And, and the call that God has on Joseph's life is an incredible call. One that perhaps we, in hindsight, would say, yeah, every man here would say, yes, I, I want to do that. But we're not really thinking about it. We're not really thinking about the cost that would fall on Joseph's shoulders. God's call on Joseph initially hurts, helps him with the hurt that he suffered over Mary and what he perceived as her unfaithfulness. And I can imagine the joy that would well up as a result of realising that Mary is faithful. And he's told plainly that the child is from Holy Spirit. The child is the Son of God. And God's call is for Joseph to be a human father to his son. Joseph is to call the child Jesus because he will be the saviour of the world. And then God says, Joseph, remember what I said to Isaiah as recorded in the scrolls that you actually have in the synagogue and in the temple. I said that there would be a virgin. I said this virgin would bear a son, that he would be called Emmanuel, Literally, Joseph, his name means God with us. Joseph, that's God with you. Joseph, 
That's God with all men. That's me with all humanity, Joseph. The child that your Mary is carrying fulfills this prophecy. And it doesn't stop there. God will work out his eternal purposes in the lives of Mary and Joseph and he will fulfill all the prophecies of the promised Messiah in the life of Jesus. And he's going to use Joseph as part of that plan. It's a big call. Son of God, no pressure. Don't mess up, Joseph. How does Joseph respond? I don't know how I'd respond if God laid something like that on me. I cannot even begin to imagine what Joseph was thinking, what was on his mind, how he was going to deal with this, how he could agree to such a mammoth task when you sit down and think about it. But perhaps it's because he realised the truth of what God said. Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph was comfortable and confident that with everything that he would face, God would not leave him, God would not forsake him, God would be present with him and he would make a way for all this to happen and for Joseph to be able to deal with it. And so when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called him Jesus. Joseph had planned to divorce Mary quietly, but now all that changes. And quite simply, he did exactly what he was told to do. Regardless of what was to come, Joseph laid aside whatever he wanted and he submitted to the will of God. The absolute best case for Mary and Joseph would be that people would think they couldn't wait to consummate the marriage. Think about that. There would have been many rumours. Much would have been said in a negative way towards them. Joseph would have gone from being this respected Jewish believer to being a hypocrite, to disgracing his faith, to disgracing God. But in reality, he was a true servant, placing the will of God ahead of his own rights, his own wants, his own desires. And he takes Mary as his wife and they live as husband and wife, except he never consummates the marriage, not until after Jesus is born. And, and we don't know why this is, we don't know why that has happened, but it's clear that Joseph believed the angel and he believed that Mary, or the child that Mary carried, was truly the son of God. So perhaps he abstained out of reverence for this child and the fact that it was the Son of God. Or perhaps he did so that if ever questioned, he could say he never slept with Mary during that time. And so this child could never be questioned as being his. It would always be considered to be of God. There's one final act of obedience Joseph displayed, which is described here. He called the boy Jesus. The name which the angel told Mary would be given in Luke 131. And it's the same name that the angel told Joseph to name him. And the father naming a son is of great significance. It's a claim that this child is mine. And Joseph knows Jesus is not biologically his. 
But in naming Jesus, he's taken the responsibility that God has given him. He's going to raise this child as if Jesus was his own. Jesus means Yahweh saves. And perhaps in naming Jesus this way, they testify to their faith that this child really is the promised Messiah. He will save the world as well as Joseph and Mary from the consequences of their sin. What does this mean for us as a people? Firstly, I believe there's people here and people online who may not know Jesus this morning. Well, there may be someone who's struggling to know him more. And I want to say, don't underestimate the power of Holy Spirit. He continues to be the one who reveals the truth of God to men and women. He continues to be the one who enables us to understand and see the truth. Can I encourage you, if you're one of those people in that category that I've just spoken about, that you ask God, you pray to him, and you ask him to reveal the truth to you. I have no doubt, if you pray that prayer genuinely, if you genuinely want to know truth, God will reveal himself to you. It may not come in the way that you expect, but he will do it. He sent his son to this earth, born of a virgin who was called Mary, and he did this so that you could be saved. He wants you to know him. That as, and that is why I know he'll answer your prayer for you. When you believe that truth that Jesus came into this world, was born of a baby boy, grew to be a man, was condemned, crucified, killed, dead and buried. But on the third day he rose again. And he's now at the right hand of God, interceding for you. Praying for you. If you believe that, you will become a new creation. What used to be important to you will fade into the background. Just as Joseph was able to put aside his wants, his desires, his needs, what he thought was right for him, you will willingly lay aside your life. All that you could have had, all that you could be, if you truly submit to him. It means change. It means things are no longer going to be the way they were. But I can testify to the fact there is nothing better than being right in the middle of God's will. Right where he wants you to be. There's no place I'd rather be. Some of you are here today and you know that when you're honest with yourself, you're no different to the world. You're no different to your non-Christian friends. There's a time that you wanted to be, but you slowly drifted away. You don't have any direction. You don't feel you have any purpose or reason to live. I just want to encourage you, don't believe that lie anymore. Each of us are made in God's image. And Jesus came that we may have new life in him. Think about Joseph again. He was no one special. He had no status or class or large bank balance or anything else. He didn't have a particular position that God could use. He was a guy who was just trying to live for Jesus, or trying to live for God. He was just trying to follow him as best he could. 
And the only difference between Joseph and us is that when he encountered God, he willingly submitted all of himself to him. His life became one that was more about what God wanted and less about what Joseph wanted. God demands this of each of us, each and every follower. It's total submission. You give up your right to your will, your purpose, your wants, and it becomes his will, his purpose, what he wants. And we must be willing to come to that point where we can honestly say, it's no longer about me, it is all about God, it is all about Jesus. Think about Joseph again, those hurts that he was experiencing, those fears that he must have faced even after those hurts were cured. But he was able to put all that aside in face of God's call upon his life. And you, hearing my voice, you may have been hurt by the church, you may have think God has deserted you, you may have been hurt by relationship. You may think that God doesn't love you, you may think he doesn't care. But nothing could be further from the truth. Look to the manger. Jesus, Yahweh saves. Emmanuel, God with us. He came that we may know him. And he says that he will never leave us, never forsake us. God is with you. He has never left you. In the midst of all of your heartache, all of your suffering, all of your loss, he's quietly calling for you to turn to him. Submit yourself afresh to him today, I pray. He'll reveal his great plan and purpose for you. A life that will bring glory to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your ways are different to our ways. I thank you that you know immeasurably more than any of us. And Lord, I thank you that each of us are made in your image and you have a great plan and purpose for us, Lord. And Lord, we think of Joseph, who is no one significant, who was given this incredible role, Lord, and all he did was submit to you. All he did was say, Jesus, God, here I am. Use me for your will and your purpose. And Lord, my desire is that those sitting in the auditorium, those sitting at home, will have that same desire this morning. Jesus, use me for your will and purpose. It is no longer about me. It's about you. And I want my life to bring honour and glory to your name. Father, stir our hearts by power of Holy Spirit, I pray. And as we look to that manger, let us realise the truth of God with us. Let us realise Jesus came to save. And he came to save me. He came to save everyone who's hearing my voice now. Help us to respond to that. In right manner, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.